Welcome to the Plant Witch Podcast, where we enter together into the web of life in all of its many seen and unseen dimensions. I'm Erin Schrader, owner of the Rebel Herbalist, and it is my honor to hold this portal to the other world. Let's enter, shall we? deepest me on day 14 one of our reflection questions asks us to reflect on this teaching from the Buddha where he says you can search throughout the entire universe for someone who is more deserving of your love and affection than you are yourself and that person is not to be found anywhere You yourself, as much as anybody in the entire universe, deserves your love and affection. Working through this workbook, My Deepest Me, is part of my work as a novitiate in the Gnostic Celtic Church. And I'm finding that these questions are taking me to deep places in myself where I'm finding more calls to quest. This particular prompt to examine the reality that I am as deserving of love and affection and compassion as any being in the universe has brought me to the seed bed of belief inside my own being what seeds were planted there that would sprout into what I believe about the world. When I go to the place, the part of the seed bed that talks about worthiness and value and how my value holds up against the value of every other being in the universe, I find some deeply held beliefs about the dangers of self-love. When I was in my spiritual direction training at Oasis Ministries in Camp Hill, Pennsylvania, we learned about this Greek word, kenosis in the context of the mystical path. And there's actually a term, the kenotic path or the path of kenosis, which means self-emptying, where we give away that which we most want to receive. When we allow the divine love and compassion that we long for to flow through us in the world 
And in the process of flowing through us, it fills us so that we experience the compassion and the love of the divine and overflow it out into the world. This to me was an echo of the shamanic teachings of the hollow bone where the breath of the divine can play through us as an instrument. And in both of these teachings, I have found myself identifying as the husk, the bone, the vessel, rather than being able to identify with being filled up with what's, what fills the vessel. Instead, I've identified with the emptiness that allows the flowing through. And this prompt is asking me to call that into question. As a nurse, this makes me think of the coronary arteries coming out of the top of the heart is the aorta, which carries blood to the whole body. It's this really large, strong, muscular artery tasked with being the water bearer, the blood bearer for the whole of the body. But right at the base of the aorta are these little arteries that come right out at the base and feed right back into the heart itself, right back into the heart muscle, the endocardium and the myocardium and the pericardium, these layers of the heart. And so before that hyperoxygenated blood gets out to the rest of the body, it comes right back into the heart itself to ensure that the heart is well oxygenated and well nourished. The physiology of this body understands the primacy of self. In medical astrology, the heart is ruled by Leo, which is ruled by the sun. And so the center of the self, the center of selfhood is the heart itself. And so the physiology of my body shows me the truth of this message from the Buddha that first the blood flows back to the heart. First, the love flows back to the self. And then from that place, the, the blood can radiate out to the rest of the body. The radiance of self can radiate out to the rest of the world. Before divine love and inspiration can flow through the vessel, it has to fill the vessel. And so what keeps me from being filled? And I, I think about all of these things here with you publicly because I know that I am not alone in having these kinds of struggles or the Buddha wouldn't have to teach about it. And my deepest me wouldn't have to prompt us to quest about it. There is this insidious subversion of self that lives inside of us and that is a product of colonization. That the self is worthy only as a product that feeds the larger system, 
that we have value only in the extraction of our life force to feed the larger system. And when we work to decolonize ourselves, we start to embody the teaching of Jesus to love our neighbor as ourselves. We often forget the two parts of that saying, love your neighbor as yourself. And the golden rule, treat others as you would want to be treated or do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Both of those equations have the self in them. We can't love our neighbor more than we love ourselves if we don't love ourselves. We can't do well to our neighbor if we don't insist that good things be done unto us. But the self part of those equations has been devalued so that we believe we are only worthy of what we produce for others. Both in our families and in our community, it's in our work, whether that's volunteer work or work for money, that we have made ourselves a commodity for extraction. When I worked for the Pachamama Alliance as a facilitator of their Awakening the Dreamer Symposium, they talked about this concept called unexamined assumptions. And part of decolonizing ourselves is to examine the previously unexamined assumptions. And one of those that really rocked my world was examining the worldview of the colonized and the colonizers, which is when we look out at the world around us, and see raw material for conversion to resources and money instead of seeing the inherent value in that world as it is. Our worldview is one of conversion, taking something and making it into something that is a value to me that I can use for money, convenience, Our worldview is not capable of seeing inherent worth, only converted commodity resources. Our world isn't even called nature, it's called natural resources. <laughs> Our workforce isn't even called people, it's called human resources. And more and more, Instead of being called citizens, we're being called consumers because we consume resources and our entire system is built on that consumption. And so for me to not be able to see my inherent value is a reflection of this worldview. I only exist as a commodity how my life can be converted into consumable goods. 
my mothering being consumed by my children, my worth as a partner being consumed by my husband, my work as a nurse being consumed by my clients. How can I turn my life into a commodity of consumable goods? And even in my mystical questing, I identified as the vessel to hold the consumable good, the divine flow of love and compassion. I had turned my spiritual life into a commodity. I'm only as good as the consumption of the divine through me. In my herbalism studies, in my studies of ecology, I have learned to see the inherent value of an ecosystem without commodifying it. I've learned to appreciate the inherent value of a forest, that its aliveness and its intactness is inherently valuable just as it is without changing anything because its existence creates existence. An intact ecosystem is creating oxygen, it's sequestering carbon, it's creating humidity and moisture through transpiration. It's affecting the weather. It's holding soil in place. It's doing all of these things by being. Inherent to its existence is worthiness, is participation. And so that is also true of my being. And just as I know that the forest as it is, is worthy of rainfall and sunlight and the nesting of birds and the flow of the stream, my inherent aliveness makes me worthy of receiving the sunlight of love and compassionate relationship with other beings with whom to intertwine my root system and be held and hold together. So as I shift my worldview, as I decolonize my mind, as I examine the seed bank of my beliefs, I realize that I cannot inherently value the world without valuing myself. I cannot love the world without loving myself. Because the self that I am is a part of it all. And if I am punishing toward myself, if I am cruel toward myself, that is what is going to flow out of me into the world because the world is an extension of myself as I am an extension of the world. We are not separate. And if I cannot love myself, I cannot love the world. If I cannot do well unto myself, I cannot do well unto the world. 
So living within my being are these two streams. Well, many, many streams, actually, but these two in particular that I'm working with right now as a novitiate in the Gnostic Celtic Church. I carry the stream of the patriarchal Abrahamic religions as they have been the experience of my ancestors for millennia. And I carry within me indigenous experience of being a human alive on the earth and goddess worship, which has been my most recent experience and the communities that I've been a part of. It's said that the goddess people and the indigenous people of all places have really gotten and really understood the love thyself part by caring for themselves, caring for the land, understanding the need for deep nourishment. And the Abrahamic patriarchal traditions have really got the love thy neighbor part, at least in theory, maybe not always in practice. So how do we bring these two streams together to truly love ourselves and our neighbors, to truly tend our home and our bodies and tend our communities and our ecosystems. This wholeness and the practice of holding these things together feels to me like the invitation into the next iteration of what it means to be human, that we don't cut off either half of ourselves. I talk more about this kind of thing in the podcast episode the people of the Jaguar, where I talk about the Pachamama Alliance and I talk about the Koji of Colombia and the prophecy of the eagle and the condor. But I'll do a quick telling here of the eagle and the condor prophecy because it feels like these two streams that are trying to commingle inside of my body. It is said that Hundreds of years ago, the world was split by the creator into the people of the eagle and the people of the condor, where the people of the eagle are intellectual, focused on exploration and conquest, technology, matters of the mind, and the creation of human systems society, civilization, building roads, creating the internet. The people of the condor, those who tend the planet, tend communities, they do the emotional labor of the world. They keep the old stories and remember the original instructions to humans. And the eagle people and the condor people have not been cooperating with each other for hundreds of years. But it is said that the time is coming and may be here for the eagle and the condor to fly together again in the same sky. Meaning that the people of the eagle, which are the people of the north and the, and the western civilizations, to again learn from and participate with 
the people of the South, the people of the Condor, those who are stewards and lovers of the earth and keepers of ecology so that we can learn from each other, help each other, cooperate with each other, and remember that we are the same people inherently. And so in my body, that feels like holding together goddess worship and the Judeo-Christian traditions. How do they live together inside of me? How do I belong to this piece of land I live on as indigenous to this place? My family's been here for 300 years, so I'm not indigenous to this place, but this is as close as I can get to being indigenous to a place in my felt experience. How do I hold that in my body alongside the reality that I am a colonizer here? How do I hold them both together? How do I love myself and my community? These are the questions that I'm living into today. And I invite you to join me in this quest. Instagram and Facebook, The Rebel Herbalist.